Chapter 25. Artist Loft. Maybe having a monkey paint for you wasn't such a bad idea after all. After I got back from my vacation with Linda, I found a new perspective on things. As long as I kept pumping out what I called frying pan paintings, as in out of the frying pan and into the fire, I could keep painting what I enjoyed. The hard part was generating crap on a theme in the shortest amount of time possible. If I had a monkey sitting next to me, wielding a brush, I could have just focused on what was important, which was doing my real art, the stuff that Gary would never see. The trip to the Keys inspired me to do something in a tropical vein, kind of like Paul Gauguin, a French post-impressionistic painter who chucked it all and moved to Tahiti to paint. On my easel was a new painting I had just started. I had laid out something that looked like a shoreline. I figured palm trees would work themselves in there somewhere. I was mixing a shade of emerald green on my palette when two guys dressed in black suits came into my loft space. They looked like they walked out of a Quentin Tarantino movie. My first thought was that they were police detectives or federal agents of some sort. I did a quick rundown in my mind if I had done anything illegal recently. Unless they were there to bust me for selling that bag of weed to Mike Jones back in the 10th grade, I should be all set. The first one approached me with a dour look on his face. He got to within an arm's length of my stool and crossed his arms. The other one walked behind my easel and was scanning all the junk I had piled up, including my recent artwork that was leaning against the wall. Did he think I had a meth lab set up amongst the empty cans of linseed oil, color-stained rags, and canvas tarps? The first one continued to glare at me. Can I help you guys? I said uncomfortably. Are you Gavin? The first one demanded. Confused, I said, yeah, can I help you guys? I noticed they were both wearing rainbow flag pins on the lapels. It seemed an odd choice for detectives. The second one picked up one of my newer paintings and examined it. Gary Eastman sent us. Do you guys work for the DLC Corporation? I asked. The second one studied the painting he held. Yeah, you could say that. The first one pointed to the paintings leaning against the wall, narrowed his eyes, and said to me, Did you do those? I put down my brush and palette. Who are you guys? The second one picked up another painting and gave it the once-over like he was some kind of mafia art dealer. We're here to enforce the contract you have with Mr. Eastman. Wow. I never thought Gary would send over a couple of art goons to see what I was up to. It must have taken him some effort to find where my studio space was. But I suppose with that kind of money, it was easy. I said, what are you talking about? I've been delivering two paintings a week for a while now. While still scrutinizing my work, the second goon said, O'Keefe's meat wallet. Huh. Uh-oh. I didn't think Gary was even bothering to look at what I was sending him. It was all going to the fire. What did he care? The first goon leaned in a little closer and said, You got a problem with the post-impressionist movement? I started to sweat and squirmed in my seat. I said, What can I say? I'm doing the best I can. The second goon picked up another painting. The function of the artist is to express reality as felt. That was a quote from Robert Motherwell, an abstract painter from New York. I couldn't figure out if these guys were here to criticize my artwork or break my legs. I find it odd that you embrace abstract impressionism when you paint for Mr. Eastman, yet you continue to paint in this other so-called style of yours. But he said I could paint anything I want. 
The first goon jabbed me in the chest with his big gorilla finger. Mr. Eastman thinks you're mocking the entire modernism movement. What, me? No, I quickly pleaded. It's all a stylistic choice I'm making. The second goon took a long look at my first painting. He thinks the quality of your work has suffered in recent weeks. Sweat was pouring down my forehead. I stammered, It's all good. If Gary wants something different, I can go in any direction. The first goon picked up the tube of emerald green paint off my easel and unscrewed the cap. He held the tube of paint in front of my face and said, Mr. Eastman thinks you've been holding out and squeezing him like this. With his fist in front of my face, he emptied out the entire tube of oil paint between my legs, then dropped the squashed tube to the floor. What do you mean I'm holding out? I said in a panic. I've been delivering two paintings a week. The second goon pointed to my five paintings leaning against the wall. Who painted those? He said as if he were scolding a child. Those are mine, I said. The second goon walked over, pulled a contract out of his coat pocket, and held it up to my face. Paragraph 3, line 2. He pointed with his finger. You signed an exclusive contract with him. Anything you create, he retains ownership. But they're my paintings. You should have read your contract. If you do so much as a chalk outline on a sidewalk, he owns it. The first goon jabbed his finger into my chest one last time to reiterate his point. He owned you, pal. I was terrified what these guys could do to me. I briefly considered if I could use art supplies as a means of self-defense. I doubted a filbert brush would do much damage to this guy looming over me. I should have had a lawyer look at the contract before I signed it. Who knew Gary would not appreciate my art jokes? Right then, I decided I would put a little more effort into what I delivered. The second goon pointed to my paintings against the wall. Those paintings are Mr. Eastman's property. What are you talking about? I said. I never intended to deliver them. We're here to fix that. The second goon collected the first three paintings and formed a stack under his arm. Hey, those are mine, I said as I tried to get off my stool and stop him. The second goon placed his hand firmly on my chest and growled, Stay there. But I never got paid for those paintings. How can they be his? The second goon flipped open the contract again and read, Page 2, paragraph 3. He pointed to a line. If the claimant goes beyond the maximum paintings delivered in the time allotted, the remaining shall be paid at a rate of $100 each. I count five paintings beyond the required deliverables. That's $500. He pulled out a zippered money pouch from his inside pocket and removed five $100 bills. He casually flipped the currency into the air where it fell randomly on the floor below my stool. The other goon grabbed the remaining paintings and went out the door with them under his arm. As if that wasn't enough, the first goon pulled the remaining painting off my easel and headed towards the door. Hey, wait, that one isn't finished yet, I pleaded with him. He turned around and gave me a nasty look. He lifted the unfinished painting above his head and smashed it down onto the point of my easel, shattering its legs and punching a hole through the middle of the canvas. He then twisted the canvas frame like a rubber band in his hands until the wood snapped from the force. He dropped the twisted ball of canvas onto my easel, now lying on the floor in pieces. With a final glare, he said, It's finished.